In a world filled with diets and new food rules, I think this episode is really going to have some impact. We're talking today about how Jesus denounced food rules, so why are you still creating them? I'm going to give you guys the biblical background on food rules and help you to understand how Jesus claimed all foods as clean in the scriptures. We're also going to talk about three reasons your food rules aren't working. Why ditch them, my friends, and what's a more sustainable long-term solution to improving your nutrition? Welcome to the Fit Feed by Read podcast, created for the woman of faith who wants to make lasting lifestyle change for her health. Learn to pray, worship, and seek the word of God for answers that spiritually equip you to dodge the quick fix trends of the diet and fitness industry. As we read in 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a community of women that knows every day is a new opportunity to strengthen her temple and most importantly, flourish in her love of Christ. We are moved by him. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Fit Feed by Read podcast. Today, we are continuing the series on New Year's resolution fails and how to assess and reflect on why your resolution didn't stick. Today is going to be all centered around talking about food rules, so focusing in on that area of nutrition. Now, even if you're listening to this podcast later on, or maybe you didn't commit to a New Year's resolution, I pray that there's going to be some really good, juicy value in some of the things that I share here, and really that God's scriptures will help to provide and reveal some information that you maybe haven't thought about before in regards to food rules. So as you saw in the title of this podcast, Jesus denounced food rules. So why are you still creating them? We're going to be talking all about that. I'm going to lay some groundwork on biblical food rules, what is in the Old Testament, what is said in the New Testament. And then we're going to dive into talking about three reasons why your food rules aren't working because I know that there's so many diets out there that are so centered on creating rules with food. And as much as some of you guys may think that this is the way to achieve success, you think, well, you know what, if I just create a hard rule that I can't have that, then it'll, that's the way that I'm going to, that's the way that I'm going to finally figure this out. I'm here to tell you that unfortunately, and as some of you guys have probably experienced, it's, it doesn't work. There really is struggle in the long term with this sort of approach, and I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself, but there's just, uh, for most people, creating really strict food rules, unless, of course, you've got some sort of serious sensitivity or allergy, that's, of course, a different situation, my friends. Creating hard food rules really doesn't tend to get the results that you probably are looking for. I will make sure to link in the podcast show notes here as well, the episodes that came before this in this four-part series. So the first episode was called Three Questions to Ask Yourself If Your New Year's Resolution Didn't Stick. So that was all about goal setting. Even if you set a goal recently, as I mentioned, if it's not the time of new year and you're just reflecting on a recent fail when it comes to something you committed to, there's going to definitely be value in that episode. Second episode was called Want Results. Here are three reasons to stop hating your body. This was all about the mindset that sets us up for failure and how do we reframe the way that the way that we love and approach our bodies, the way that we understand that we are perfectly made in God's image and also respect our body and keep our body healthy. And today, of course, is all about nutrition and food rules. And next Sunday, you guys, we are going to be talking all about the exercise 
realm. So we are going to be talking specifically about how to reframe exercise for yourself. And essentially that concept of are you treating your body as a temple? Uh, Are you worshiping your body or are you using your body for worship to ultimately worship God? Hmm. So I think there's going to be some really good, exciting, juicy stuff coming your way, my friends. Let's start with some prayer and then we will jump on in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing of just getting to record this podcast, Lord, for the blessing of this day, for the sunshine, for the breath in my lungs. I just thank you for the blessing of everyone that's tuning into this episode. Pray that you'd be with me, you'd be with my words, that you would give me the insights to share. Lord, I pray that the scriptures that I share would just really work into the hearts of everyone listening here and that they would be reflected on in the days to come. God, I just pray that this would be an opportunity to worship you with with the way that we're reviewing your word and understanding what you've provided to us with your word. I pray that as we look back at the biblical understanding of food rules and what happened when Jesus came and he stripped those food rules from us and for us, that we can understand the freedom in that and that we would just embrace that with, with excitement and also an understanding of how we can navigate food and nutrition with respect to the body that God has given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, friends, let's start by diving into some of the background on biblical food rules. So to start, food rules were in place before Jesus came to earth. Many of you guys have probably heard of the concept of kosher foods. So basically, God put some rules in place for the Israelites as the Israelites were entering into the promised land. And, you know, they were navigating through the wilderness for 40 years, heading toward the promised land. The God laid out some some rules for the Israelites around how they should and should not approach food, what they should eat and what they should not eat. This is what we now deem as kosher food. So many people of the Jewish faith still practice many of these rules. And I want to start by laying this out for you so you have an understanding of this, just because these are very clear food rules laid out in scripture. And then we'll talk about how Jesus brought salvation and stripped us of the need for these food rules. So Deuteronomy 14 lays out what is clean and what is unclean to eat. Verse 6 starts by saying, any animal that divides the hoof and has the hoof split in two and choose the cud among the animals that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat any of these among those which chew the cud or among those that divide the hoof in two, the camel and the rabbit and the chaffin. For though they chew the cud, they do not divide the hoof. They are unclean for you. Verse eight, probably very common knowledge maybe you have that many people who are Jewish do not eat pork. Verse eight tells us the pig, because it divides the hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You shall not eat any of their flesh nor touch their carcasses. Verse 9 tells us, these you may eat of all that are in water. Anything that has fins and scales you may eat, but anything that does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. So I give you that example of just a little little chunk of scripture from Deuteronomy 14. That was verses 6 through 10 to give you an idea of some of the food rules that God laid out for the Israelites. Specifically, he very clearly told them what they could eat and what they could not eat. And I found this kind of fascinating, actually. I am currently doing the Bible Recap by Tara Lee Cobble, which I highly recommend you guys. It is so good. I'd heard so many recommendations over the years, and I finally was like, I am going to do this. So it is a read read the Bible in a year plan. There's these phenomenal podcast episodes attached to your Bible reading each day, and she just provides great insights and commentary. And she shared something the other day that this verse, uh, specifically in Deuteronomy 14, 21, it reads, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. 
And she was sharing that that verse actually has informed kosher food rules to prohibit the mixing of meat and milk in the same meal. So oftentimes, uh, you know, basically rabbis back in the day were trying to determine how can we get as far as possible away from the rule that was defined in God's word so that we don't mix up and make a mistake and end up breaking God's rule. And so they had determined, let's not mix meat and milk in the same meal because of the verse Deuteronomy 14, 21. And kind of fascinating, she was saying, if you go to, you know, many places in Israel to this day, really wealthy individuals will actually have two separate kitchens for preparing dairy and for preparing meat because of this specific rule. So kind of interesting stuff. I figured I'd share that with you guys. So there's some background on what the Old Testament tells us about the rules that God had put in place. Now, when Jesus came, he brought salvation. Maybe someone's explained this to you, maybe someone hasn't. So I want to review this really quickly. That Jesus came He came in the flesh, in the form of man, but he was fully God and fully man at the same time. Through his death on the cross, he basically atoned for our sins the way that in the Old Testament, uh, people were called to give offerings in the form of animals. And so he atoned for our sins. He shed his blood for our salvation. So we are redeemed through him, right? Through saying, hey, the Lord is my savior, I recognize him as the son of God. I recognize myself as a sinner fall short of the glory of God. And I recognize that I need Jesus in order to have eternal life in heaven with God following my time here on earth. So when God came, he brought salvation, redemption, and a lot of the rules that were in the Old Testament, for example, around animal sacrifice or these various food rules were taken away by his presence and the salvation he offered. So in Mark 7, he explains the new approach to food. Basically, he declares that food is clean by describing that nothing can come into us and defile us. It's only what comes out of us that can defile us. Mark 7, verses 14 through 23, read this. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. What he had left, when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he is saying, and he was saying, That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things proceed from within and defile the man. And I think this is so interesting because it gives us that reflection point of like Jesus came and he said, I'm not worried about what you're eating. He said, I don't, I really don't, I don't have any concern with the previous rules that were put in place by God. And those were needed in that time because Jesus had not yet come to earth. There was not that fulfillment of prophecy of Jesus coming to earth for our salvation, right? The concept of him atoning for our sins, shedding blood for us for the final time. And those, those rules were needed at that time prior to God, to, to God bringing, you know, basically God saying, hey, Mary, you are pregnant with my son, Jesus. But now that Jesus had walked the earth, the rules have changed. He says, 
I'm not worried about what you're putting into your body. I'm worried about what's coming out. What is in your heart? And I just think that's such powerful scripture in Mark 7. I would highly encourage just get your eyes on that in your own Bible so you can really soak that into yourself. So there's a bit of background on biblical food rules. So now I want to dive into talking about the three reasons your food rules aren't working. Now that we have this understanding that Jesus has freed us from this need to have food rules, which is so interesting when we think about that and how it's so antithesis to current diet culture where there's just food rules galore. Once again, I want to caveat one more time that this is not relating to serious allergies, serious sensitivities. That is a different conversation, but I'm saying food rules for the sake of losing weight, quote unquote, getting healthy, whatever it is. The first reason your food rules aren't working is you thought it was a long-term solution. You thought it was a long-term solution, my friends, and here's the deal. I would only suggest creating food rules if you know that it is a temporary approach to either test out food sensitivities, that is very much such a thing, a food sensitivity protocol where you're basically clearing foods out of your diet and then adding them back in one by one to see where you might have sensitivities. That's a very valid reason to stick to food rules for a short term or potentially you're trying to work on kicking your sugar cravings and you're saying, hey, I'm just going to cut sugar out for a couple weeks so that I can reset my taste buds, reset my patterns, my habits, and then find a more sustainable approach that is healthier and better for me that involves less snacks, sweets, treats. That's very much a thing. But I want to encourage that if you have strict food rules like, oh, you know, I'm never eating X, Y, or Z again, the initial rush of excitement when you make change will not be sustainable. So you know that feeling when you commit to something new and you're like, you know what? I'm never eating dairy again. Let's say you don't actually have a dairy insensitivity and you're just like, I have read all these things and I've heard that dairy is just the worst. I'm just cutting all the dairy out. And so you go into your kitchen and you clean out everything with dairy. You you clean out everything, your yogurt, your cheese, your ice cream, your whey protein, everything with dairy in it. You start looking at labels, And you're like, hmm, there's sneaky dairy and all kinds of things. And you get rid of all of it. There's that initial excitement of you go to the store, you're finding new dairy-free foods. None of this is necessarily bad, by the way, to switch things up or to try to get, you know, a variety of other things into your diet or to swap some dairy. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But the extreme nature of being like, I'm not having any of it. And you swap it out. You're all thrilled and pumped up. And you're like, wow, this is fun for maybe a couple weeks. You're trying all these new dairy-free foods. You're like, this isn't so bad. Then you reach a point where you're like, I just really want some of that cheese. But you're like, well, I've created this really hard rule and I'm doing this for forever. I'm just not ever eating cheese again. And the hard piece is that when you create that that intensity of no, I'm not ever doing that again, it leads to oftentimes a spiral out of your food rules altogether and saying, you know what, bump this. I'm just going back to eating dairy. So what if you said... Hey, I'm going to leverage the excitement of creating a new plan, but I'm going to approach that plan with a sustainable approach. I'm going to try to set myself up for long-term success rather than for failure. There's nothing wrong with leveraging that excitement. Just leverage it in the right way. The second reason your food rules aren't working is because you said never. My dear friends, never say never. Anyone? Jay Beeps? Okay. I'm definitely millennial, so I'm sure some of you guys are too. Based on the podcast stats, tells me some of you guys are too. 
Never say never, you guys, okay? This is that extreme mindset approach of I can't have a little bit of it. I'm just never going to have it. You aren't allowing yourself any gray space. I like to talk about this with clients all the time. We oftentimes take this black and white approach because it's clearer. It's easier to say I'm not having that and I am having that. It's hard when you create a little bit of gray space and it's like, well, okay, how much do I allow in? But I want to encourage you that the gray space approach truly for almost everyone is the sustainable approach, not the extremes. It's not, friends. You've got to figure out what that gray space approach looks like for you in order for you to be in optimal health to get the results you want, but not go crazy. Stop saying never to some of these foods. So one thing to consider here would be the 80-20 rule. A lot of you guys have probably heard of this. Basically, it's saying you can apply this to a lot of things in your life. 80% of the time, stay on track. Eat the good stuff. 20% of the time, give yourself wiggle room. Right? 80-20 rule. Here's another way to consider setting food food rules. Maybe you're like, well, the 80-20 thing, okay. How do I even consider what that looks like in my diet? Do an assessment here. Look at your current eating habits. Habits Might not be a bad idea to track for a couple days just so you can really analyze versus just kind of, you know, pulling from your brain space and pretending like you remember what you ate for breakfast yesterday. So write down what you ate over a couple days and then start to determine the percentage of your diet that is coming from processed foods, more unpronounceable ingredients in the ingredient list, the things from the middle of the grocery store that have big, giant, beautiful colors and great marketing all over the package. These are the things I like to refer to as fun food. And I do understand that there are plenty of products in the middle of the grocery store these days that are not necessarily fun food. So it doesn't mean every single type of, you know, product that you found in the aisle versus on the perimeter of the store is fun food. This does take a bit of uh, kind of discernment and determining and learning and educating on what sort of foods to be aiming for. But generally speaking, foods that are more processed call those fun foods. The other side of the spectrum is your whole foods. These are your single ingredient foods or very few ingredients. You know what the ingredients are. This is the food on the perimeter of the grocery store. Fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meats, whole grains, quality dairy, those sorts of things. Now I want you to look at your eating over the course of a few days and determine what is your good food, fun food split. So what percentage of your diet is coming from good food and what percentage is coming from fun food? Note that I did not call the fun food bad food because it's not bad, you guys. It's not bad to have a treat once in a while or to eat something that's got a little bit of, you know, preservatives in it. Sky's not going to fall. It's just the goal of how do I find this sustainable, balanced approach, right? So look at that. Determine your split. Maybe it's 50-50. Maybe you're like, meh, I'm eating a little bit more good food than fun food. So it's maybe about 60-40. Determine what that looks like for you. Try increasing your whole food consumption by 5% each week or two until you get to that 80-20 and can sustain it. To break that down a little bit, because you're like, well, what does 5% of my week look like? If you're eating three meals a day, that ends up being 21 meals per week. A 50-50 split would mean that you're eating about 10 meals centered on processed foods, or maybe you're eating those meals out at like fast grab-and-go restaurants, and about 10 meals centered on more whole, unprocessed, home-cooked foods. If you're trying to make a 5% improvement, that would be saying, hey, I'm going to swap one meal for more processed and swap it for better, more whole foods. Maybe it's even just saying, I'm going to take one meal that I normally eat out and I'm going to start cooking it at home to break that down for you. 
So slow creep your way 5% every week or two. Make sure you can sustain that new adjustment and then add another 5%, ideally until you get about to that 80-20 mark. That might be a better way for you to approach this. See if that is the key. Rather than setting a bunch of food rules, you guys, give that one a go. The third reason that your food rules aren't working are you purged your kitchen of the forbidden foods, but the world didn't do the same purge. They're not in your kitchen, but guess what? They're still at the grocery store, and they're still on billboards when you drive down the highway, and they're still at your favorite restaurant, and temptation exists. And in that period when you're trying to resist it so hard, sometimes the temptation screams even louder. Have you ever experienced that? The temptation feels like it lies around every corner. The good news is that God can keep you from temptation. I want to give you guys a piece of scripture here that I think is so powerful. This is from 2 Peter 2.9. Peter was explaining the way that God judges the unrighteous and protects the righteous. Specifically, he calls out the stories of Noah's Ark and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in the verses right before verse 9. But verse 9 tells us, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. And by godly, he means righteous. Those that believe in him, those that are growing in him, that are strengthened by him, he knows how to rescue you from temptation. Maybe you need to write that on a post-it note and stick that on your kitchen cabinet. I don't know. But that, my friends, is a powerful piece of scripture. So I want you to consider that. Once again, open it up in your Bible. Read that whole, read all of 2 Peter too. There's a ton of good stuff in there. But that scripture, remember, the Lord can rescue you from temptation oftentimes what's challenging with this concept of you know purging your own kitchen or your own space but then finding out in the world is that you struggle to find a way to coexist with these foods that you've deemed forbidden it doesn't mean that i'm encouraging you to bring all your favorite treats into your kitchen i actually am a huge proponent of keeping them out of your own kitchen and then when you say hey i want an ice cream cone hey i really want to go get a burger and fries you go out to get it you have to physically get in your car and leave your house I think that's actually a really good way to approach balance, but it's that hard thing where you're trying to navigate, even if they're not in my house, I know they're out there and I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling across them on a regular basis. So strengthen yourself with that scripture, 2 Peter 2.9. And I also want to encourage you that as you take, as you spend more time eating less and less of your quote unquote forbidden foods, which I would encourage don't make them forbidden, simply find a way to fit them in with balance. As you do that, there's a good chance that you are going to be less tempted by them. There's a good chance that you're going to find, wow, I don't need to constantly go through the Starbucks drive-thru and get a mocha every morning. Maybe I have it as a treat once a week. As you work toward that goal of balance, you will probably find that the balance actually feels way better for your body, physically, mentally, emotionally, as well as you won't feel that same sort of temptation to constantly be reaching for those things. So my friends, let's recap. We started by talking about the biblical food rules, the background on biblical food rules, how the Old Testament definitely had some clear food rules from God for the Israelites in Deuteronomy 14. But great news for you guys, Mark 7 clearly tells us that Jesus declares food clean. And we no longer need to be tied to those same food rules from the Old Testament. So stop creating your own food rules or abiding by some sort of diet plan that creates tons of structured food rules. We then talked about the three reasons that your food rules aren't working. The first one is you thought it was a long-term solution. It's not, my friends. It's not a long-term solution. Number two, you said never. You said you were never going to have this again. There was no balance in that. 
I offer that suggestion of potentially trying a new approach to finding balance, creeping your way up to that 80-20 split of good food and fun food. And third, you purged your kitchen of the forbidden foods, but the world didn't do the same purge. So you've been struggling with temptation. Consider that verse, 2 Peter 2, 9, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. He does. Let that really soak into your journey and into your heart. The key takeaway here, my friends, is this. Ask yourself, do you need to ditch the food rules? There's a decent chance you might need to just ditch the food rules if they're not working, which they probably aren't because you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) Maybe you need to try that good food, fun food split exercise. Make those 5% improvements each week. Try that instead of setting new food rules in place. Hmm. And you guys, I really encourage as well, pull out your Bibles, look up these scriptures. I will always make sure to include the scriptures that I've referenced in any given episode in the show notes so that you can quickly pull out your Bible and reference back to them. I would highly encourage that you do that with these scriptures so you can really let the Bible and the word read you as well as you are praying through better health. My friends, that is what I have for you today. We will chat oh so soon. Thank you for tuning into the Fit Feed by Read podcast. May you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord in the coming days and be refreshed by his promises. If this episode had a positive impact on you, I would be honored to have you share it with someone you know could also benefit from it. Blessings to you.